Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talked to a beginner in the niche site world, Denise. And I actually met her at FinCon, which we talk about in the episode. I am jumping in here before the interview for, I think, two announcements. I'll either forget one of them or I'll remember others. So there'll just be one or three. But number one, a lot of people left reviews for the podcast. A little while back, earlier in November, I I, uh, desperately asked for some support to leave some reviews. And I think I'm going to be able to get almost all of them. It's kind of hard to gather reviews uh, internationally, but there's a a site called Chartable. I think Spotify bought it a little while back, but they kind of, kind of, what word, curate. They curate some of the reviews out there. So I'm going to go through them and give people shout outs. So thank you very much. Listen, if you did leave a review, I may give you a shout out. Further, if you do want a shout out, I will do this on a, you know, sort of a, semi-regular basis. So if you leave me a review, I'll hop in and I will uh, give you a shout out. So I appreciate everyone's support. If you don't want to hear the reviews and you don't give a shit, that's okay. You could just fast forward it through them. First from Og, it's many A's, a G uh, and some H's in Canada left a review on November 7th. Definitely my favorite podcast for niche sites and online marketing. I always have an interview on in the background. I find that Doug keeps me motivated and keeps me working on my sites. Thank you, Doug. Next one is great show, best content tips and case studies. And this is from B Cooper 27 in uh, the U S via Apple podcast. I've been listening to Doug for years now, and I still think his show is one of the most informative and inspiring when it comes to building niche sites. As a part-timer, my biggest issue is time, but I know that the tips I get from Doug and his guests will catapult me to better things in the next, sometime in the future, in the next six to 12 months. Thanks and keep up the great work. And that is Brian from Pennsylvania. Next up is someone from uh, Japan, and it looks like uh, some fun uh, emoticons with little smiley faces and some characters which I don't recognize. It's titled, Keeps Me Motivated and Going in the Right Direction. I love how casual Doug is while dishing out extremely valuable information. I could listen to his podcast all day long if the information overload didn't need a vent. So most times I end up working on my blog after one episode. I love this show. Next up is from J.N. Steele. J.N. Steele in the U.S. again via Apple Podcast titled Great Info. I've been running a content slash membership website for six years now, and I love to hear stories of other online business owners. I've learned several great things from the shows I've listened to. Next up, Gearheart uh, C. in the U.S. via Apple Podcast. Great information, great guy, really good information and solid how-to steps. Don't worry, there's not too many more, three more left. All right, next up is Nope, Nope, Nope. That is via Apple Podcasts in the US, titled Great Show, Super Informative, Great Topics and Guests, Learn Something New Every Episode. Fantastic. Next one up is uh, from Valen. What's up, Valen? Uh, out of Bulgaria, titled Awesome Podcast. Doug is very is very experienced marketer, and his podcast is really amazing. I've been following it from the very beginning, 
It's highly recommended. All of the episodes are full of insights and interesting information. Last up is MDiggs36 out of the US via Apple Podcast, and it's titled Extremely Helpful. Doug is very knowledgeable and offers up so much information that helps me and my various businesses. The Doug Show is a podcast that I listen to immediately when a new episode is released and is an incredible resource for any entrepreneur. Thanks for everything, Doug. And I want to thank everyone who left a review out there. If I missed yours, I'm sorry. I may catch it on the next one. And a lot of people did leave reviews in the past. So I don't know if I've gone through them all, but you know, I'll sprinkle them in here and there. We have a lot of episodes out there, and I know sometimes people uh, hop on and they listen and then they stop. The good news is we now have 49 ratings in the US version of Apple Podcast, and it looks like there's about 25 actual like written reviews, and we're clocking in at 4.9 out of five stars. I think most people leave pretty good reviews. It looks like maybe I only have one one star, which is fair you know, it's not for everybody. Okay. So thank you for leaving reviews. Please, if you dig the show, you can, uh, you know, leave a review. If you listen on other platforms, that's cool. I'll try to chase those down again. It's a little tough to get those sometimes. The other thing, which I think I remembered, yes, I remembered it. So what do you want to hear in the next year? I have been doing a, a ton of these success stories, niche site, usually um, specific, but sometimes, you know, I had some other topics like I interviewed uh, Cody Berman, who actually is an entrepreneur in, in many different areas, but I talked about his e-printables, Etsy printables uh, course and business model, and a lot of people really uh, gravitated towards that. And I know when I got started, I actually listened to a lot of, you know, more general online business and sometimes offline business side hustle ideas. I was absorbing all kinds of information. I found it really helpful to take ideas from one area, a lot of times like a brick and mortar business, and then move it to the digital world or vice versa, right? That's obviously really good if you can take a digital idea and then apply it to your brick and mortar business. All that to say, I'm thinking about adding in some different success stories, which, like I said, I occasionally would hit, but those are typically sort of natural introductions. I have a friend, Nick Loper, over at uh, side, the Side Hustle Show, Side Hustle Nation, and you know he's talking to people doing all sorts of things. Sometimes they are offline businesses, obscure side hustles, and they're just kind of cool ideas and cool stories. So I was thinking of having a few people like that, you know, maybe even tracking down people that Nick has interviewed and, you know, getting updates from them and other things like that. Further, I think, uh, you know, in past times and in the older days, maybe the first 200 episodes of The Doug Show, I would do more solo episodes, maybe some more strategy stuff, little case study updates, that sort of thing. So just curious, you know, what do you want to hear? What shows do you really, really enjoy? Uh, Further, are there other podcasts that you listen to because they are covering different topic areas and different stories? So if you have ideas or requests, let me know. You can shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. 
and I read all those emails. I usually uh, reply back unless, you know, somehow it hits the spam folder. I usually go have a look there once a month or so. Uh, but if you, if you have any ideas, let me know. Also, I've had a couple offline conversations with people or folks that I've interviewed and, you know, they, they've said, oh, I actually like all the shows that you're doing and I listen to your show for this specific reason to know about niche sites and, you know, if there's uh, other topics, I usually like them okay, but I don't really have anything else. I love uh, the success stories, beginners, experienced people, whatever. Um, if if that is the case, let me know too. It's um, it's good to understand uh, that I'm doing the interviews that you want if that happens to be the case. So I think that's it for now. We'll get to the interview now, finally, with Denise. And uh, I'll probably get an update from Denise before too long. So if you have any follow-up questions for her, feedback at Doug.show, and I can circle back and bring it to her the next time we chat. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talked to Denise. And this is kind of a a fun story. She's now making about $2,000 per month, and we're going to dive into the story. She actually bought the site and has grown it up over time. And one really fun part about how Denise and I got connected was I was at this conference called FinCon, which if you listen to the show, you may have heard me talk about it in the past, but I was walking uh, around the lobby and I saw this huge line of people checking in and there was this border collie sitting on the ground and I I have a border collie myself named Georgie. She's uh, on Instagram, Georgie the Border Collie. Anyway, I was walking by and I walked by a couple times and then I just stopped and I, I was like, hey, can I pet your dog? I have a border collie at home. And Denise was kind enough to let me say hello. And then we passed each other a couple times and realized that we maybe knew some of the same people or something like that. So I would not have met Denise if she didn't have her dog with her. And then it turned out to be a great connection. So we found out um, that we kind of work in the same field and she had a site and then we hung out a pretty decent amount. So Denise, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. No, thanks for having me. This is so much fun. I'm excited that, you know, to be here and I'm glad that Finn did a good job at a you know, kind of business development should bring you more often to these things. <laughs> right. It's it's a perfect icebreaker. And there was one there was one session. I didn't even go to very many sessions, but there was a seat open next to you and Finn. So I just sat there and petted Finn all through <laughs> all through the, <laughs> the talk. I don't even know what it was, but I have a bunch of pictures of Finn and I <laughs> cuddling during uh, someone's full presentation. <laughs> yeah, that's so. uh, that's the way to do it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's back into it and learn a little bit about you specifically. So, you know, what do you what do you do? Um, it sounds like you're doing this on the side. So, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you work on as kind of a day job. Yeah. So, I'm you know at heart I'm an artist, kind of content created, but I'm uh, uh, my day job is I work at a real estate firm. I'm head, head of the marketing department there. And, you know, kind of been doing this uh, online thing for quite some time now. Okay, cool. And with uh, like your role, you said director of marketing. So did you have like a team and such? Is it a pretty big 
organization? Yeah, I have a, it's a, it's a growing company. So, uh, it's going to go national soon. So it's getting, you know, it's growing pretty fast. I have a team of six now, um, or seven, six or seven <laughs> kind of transitioning. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of things changing, but, uh, yeah, got my, my little team and we do everything from, uh, marketing PR, you know, we've got graphic design, web design, digital, everything that you can think on the spectrum is kind of under my, my supervision. Okay, cool. And it seems like a great background to start getting into uh, niche sites in general. So let's move on to that. How did you first learn about niche sites or affiliate marketing and, and content sites in general? So I think the first website that I built, I was probably 12. And I'm going to out myself and say that, you know, this was like the Spice Girls uh, time. And I was growing up and I kind of just started building this little fan site. And I grew that to, I think I got a million visitors in about six months. And then I got a call from like one of those free website providers at the time. And they offered me all the, you know, the, the paid uh, options for that site and I wish I knew then what I know now, because I probably could have retired at like 17 at that point. Um, but I, I didn't know. So I've been kind of doing this kind of stuff since, since then. Um, but really over the years, you know, kind of started building my career, doing stuff on the side. I've, I've done everything from, you know, messing around with drop shipping to Facebook ads and kind of doing all that stuff. But I kept going back to blogging and, niche websites. And then finally in that last year, I was like, you know, like, I think I'm going to take this a little bit more seriously, started getting more into courses that I had bought over the years and really diving deeper into that. Um, and then I found out that you could actually buy websites. And I'm like, well, that's a shortcut because, you know, I kind of, that's the good thing about having a career, right? Like you kind of, you know, have some money right. to invest in things. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of, Last year is really when I got deeper into the niche website uh, world. Okay. And when you started answering that, I thought it was really curious that your reference point was Spice Girls, but it actually, be, it was because the site was about the Spice Girls. Oh yeah. Sorry. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So I had a little fan site, uh, to be specific. It was, uh, it was dedicated to Victoria and David Beckham, right? So it wasn't the full Spice Girls Thing. So even then, I kind of knew that if you niche down, because there were a million websites about the Spice Girls, but not that many that I think mine was the only one that was dedicated to the whole, you know, posh Bex romance back then. And okay. it did pretty well. <laughs> That's crazy. And you said about a million visitors over the six months that it was running or so? Yeah, well, the website was up for a few years. Um, okay. I think from like my 12, 13 years old until I was about 16, I think the website was live. But yeah, I think in, in about six months, I got about a million hits and I got this email from whatever hosting company was at that time. And they're like, hey, you got a lot of visitors. Here's, you know, you don't have to kind of piece together all these free little websites. Like we're going to give you all of the 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 pro tools and I didn't know what the heck was going on at the time, right? Like I just, uh, I just started building stuff because I enjoyed and I, I liked it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, and then no did clue you, how to monetize back then. Yeah, I was going to say, did you earn any money, or you were just like, this is great, like I'm doing it because you're you're a big fan. 
just the fan, like zero, like I didn't monetize it at all. Like I just had, you know, like people emailing from all over the world and like they would send me really cool articles from other countries and things like that, but no money whatsoever, which again, I wish I knew then what I know now. <laughs> That's so crazy. And then did you, what, what was on the site? Did you write content or was it like pictures that you put together um, or something like that? It was a lot of pictures, you know, and probably I was like, you know, violating copyrights left and right, but it was, I would buy magazines and scan them in really high quality and, and put it over there. Um, I'm a graphic designer as well. So it was a lot of really cool content, but not that much written content. It was really just photos and there was a guest book and people could trade CDs and things like that. Right? Okay. That, that is hilarious. That's really cool. What do you, um, did you learn any specific lessons, especially think, thinking about it now in the context of what we're going to start talking about? Cause I, I have a hunch that you probably don't think about it too often these days, but like, are there any lessons that you learned, you know, when you were 12 to 16 about, um, like running a website or coming up with content or anything like that? Anything valuable? I mean, I think a lot of it, right? And I think I should mention also, I'm, I'm originally from Brazil. So I, English is not my first language. And sorry, Finn is actually playing with his toy. <laughs> He's squeaking back here. But um, I, I, you know, English is not my first language. And I think I owe a lot of my English skills from the Spice Girls. <laughs> and, you know, just listening to music, following lyrics and things like that. And I think that website not only because everything was in English. I had to communicate in English. All of the tools that I was using at the time, um, everything was in English, but that taught me a lot about graphic design. I learned how to use Photoshop back then. Um, I think I was using Dreamweaver, whatever the, you know, the website builder that they had um, back then. So, so I think a lot of my web design, SEO, social media, photo manipulation, editing, you know, like I had to learn how to make pictures really small back then because, you know, things like that. So I think I learned a lot of the technical skills by trying to be very crafty because I didn't have the money to pay for the good stuff. So I had to figure out ways to go around all of that. Okay. <laughs> and then did you ever see the Spice Girls in concert at any point in time or? I have not actually. Was, I did was, not. I didn't have the. They were never around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just. Just curious. And then, are they touring now at all? Or did they do? I have no idea. Or? Okay. I kind of. I kind of grew out of that. Like that's. It's sort of the recurring joke, right? It's like come every time somebody hears anything about Spice Girls, they always think of me, and I'm like, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's yeah. been a while. It's been a few years. Okay. Well, that's cool. Very. Uh, I wasn't expecting that, but you know, that's cool. Very formative band for me as well. No, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't really get into Spice Girls, but nothing against them. Okay, let's move on and talk about the uh, site and sites that you have now. So can you explain the portfolio of sites that you have, e even some of the freshest sites we were just chatting before we hit record and you have some, some new stuff too. So lay out what you have on the table here. So right now I have five websites. Um, obviously there's the one that is making 2000 plus dollars now. And that's kind of the, the one that I'm spending more time on because you know, like, again, I have a full-time job and my time is limited. Um, then I have two 
pet care websites, which are interesting, very specific niches that uh, surprisingly they, they are ranking even though, you know, brand new domains, zero, you know, zero DR, zero everything, but they're getting a little bit of traffic. And then I have one that is food related and one that is a hobby. And the big site is a travel um, website. Okay, cool. And the two uh, pet care, you, those are pretty much brand new, you said? Yes. Well, pretty, all of them are brand new. Uh, those were new domains, brand new websites. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. And then, so the travel uh, site is the one that earns the most money, and that's mm-hmm. the one that you purchased like a year ago. Is that right? Yes, that's okay. right. So, yeah, t- talk about the process of, number one, learning about the fact that you can purchase a website and then where you found it and some of the details about the purchase process, due diligence, all that kind of stuff. So can I say where I got the site? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, which was funny because they were a FinCon as well, right? right. <laughs> but um, so I, I'll, I'll go back a little bit and say how, cause I did get all of these five sites. I didn't have them a year ago. So I started sort of experimenting, started building a couple of sites. Um, then I actually found out somehow that you could buy websites, right? Like, I don't even remember, I think maybe it was in a podcast interview. Somebody mentioned that they bought a site. I started looking into that. Um, and then I actually acquired the hobby website, which wasn't that much. I think I paid about three, four, three or $4,000 for it. Um, so that one is making about $200 right now. I have no time to mess with it, but there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, but I continue to look and then I came across blogs for sale. So blogs for sale. Co is the, is the company. So, uh, Chelsea was there at FinCon, which was great to meet her in person, but I came across this one website there and, uh, kind of just hit me. Like it's, it's interesting to me, travel related. It was kind of, wasn't cheap, but it was somewhat, you know, not crazy expensive. And I think just the technical aspects of, of it, I looked at it and I'm like, I think I can take this website and immediately sort of start and make more money than what it's making now. And I kind of just didn't hesitate. I just put in the offer and uh, kind of had a little bit of negotiation back and forth with, with the seller. And, you know, you put the money in escrow and all that good stuff and uh, go through the process of transferring files and, that's it. There's not, there's not much to it. And I was, I'm kind of hooked actually. Like I keep looking for, for more. Um, and, uh, I actually, you know, before we started the interview, I mentioned, I, I just acquired another site. So I'm still in the process of, uh, in the escrow kind of phase of it. Uh, but I think that's a really cool way of, of, of getting websites. Right. And it's, I mean, the, the marketplaces have matured. So, you know, there's places like, uh, Chelsea's, uh, blogs for sale.co. And then there's empire flippers, which is kind of, you know, it's been around for a while. So a lot of those are more expensive sites as they've moved up market. And there's a few other brokerages as well. And there's like motion invest and a handful of others, of course, flip is out there too, but you know, I don't think you get the same kind of due diligence 
from Flippa as you get with uh, the other brokers that actually like vet the sites a little more closely. And I think Flippa is changing things a little bit, but anyway, the point is it's a great way to essentially, you know, skip the sandbox and then know that the site can be profitable because it's earning money already, which is pretty cool. So when you found the, the travel site, you mentioned you thought you could sort of turn it around right away. What things did you look for that you thought you could optimize or improve in such a quick fashion? Well, I think one thing is I wanted websites that were making more money with ads than anything else, because I think that that's where kind of my SEO skills. And that's the part that I really know, right? Like I'm still learning affiliate marketing, Um, but the SEO part is, okay, I know how that works. And, you know, you go in and you, you look at what are the articles that the website is ranking? What are the keywords that is doing, um, getting into the DR, all of those things. And obviously the traffic. So we had enough traffic that it was on, it was on media, right? So you, you know, I didn't want a site that was, um, kind of still stuck in, in a certain level that I was going to have to grow it a lot before I got into one of the good, uh, the good networks. Although I heard that if you find a website that gets enough traffic and it's on AdSense, that's a no brainer because <laughs> you can immediately switch it. But I, you know, I wasn't finding anything like that. So I think that was it. It was a, a website that was getting a lot of organic traffic, which this particular site actually was getting more, then 50% of the traffic coming from Pinterest. Um, but there was decent content and it was ranking really well for several articles just on, on SEO. So I knew that I could improve it, you know, get some of the other articles, start to improve it and grow. Um, you know, overall it was decent quality content. Uh, the owner of the site, um, had built it for her. So there was no intention to sell, which was another thing that for me was a plus because, you know, a lot of the sites that you see out there in the marketplace, they're built by people like us uh, with the intention to sell. So the content isn't always that great. Um, So I think that those were the kind of the the biggest things that I I saw. Okay. And how much was it earning when you purchased it? So it was making about $600 between ads and Amazon, and there was a couple, it gets a little bit from booking.com and things like that, but it was really Amazon and, and most of it was, was ads. Um, it was advertised as being about 800 or so, but they were selling some guest posts, which I don't kind of, I don't look at that in, as far as revenue. And I'm not a big fan of, of selling that kind of thing, you know, like it puts kind of crappy content on your site for a couple hundred bucks. So I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, but yeah, but it was making about $600 in, in ads and affiliate. And, um, I think that that, yeah. Uh, got it. And you said about 50% or more of the traffic was coming from Pinterest. Was there like an ongoing cost associated with that for either software or a VA or time or anything? No, there was nothing. So the, the, the owner, the person who built it is actually pretty good at building traffic with Pinterest. Uh, so she got some really good runway in the beginning, kind of got that momentum going. 
So, you know, several of the articles were doing really, really well on Pinterest and still are. Like, I don't, I don't do anything on Pinterest. Like every now and then I'll go in there and I'll, I'll do something. And I still get, you know, over 2 million impressions a, a month on Pinterest kind of very consistently. Wow. And so it hasn't dwindled at all. That was the next question. Like it's just been no. consistent and you don't really do anything. No, I haven't done much. And everything that I did was on the SEO part. So right now I'm getting about 30% on Pinterest and the rest is, is organic. Um, so what I did is I grew the SEO part, but Pinterest has pretty much remained very consistent. Well, let's move on to that SEO part and we'll, we'll dig into some other stuff. So you got the site, um, you conceivably like transferred and migrated it over. Everything was fine. Um, actually I'll ask that, uh, were there any issues with the migration or transition at all? Yes, there was a little bit of a, a hiccup with the hosting provider, um, that I initially selected and the site was actually down for about three days before I said, you know what, I'm going to go with a different hosting provider and switch it over. And there was a breeze with the other, with the other hosting company. Um, so I would caution everybody who's buying a site, just make sure that you have, you know, don't skimp on the hosting part because they can really help you with the transition. If the broken brokerage, uh, the bro broker is not doing that for you. Uh, I would say, you know, pick a hosting company that can actually do the migration process for you. Okay. Got it. And probably a little scary. I, I bet you were stressed out cause you paid, some, you didn't share the price. Can you share how exactly how much you paid? Yeah. So it was, uh, I think it was listed for 28 or $30,000 and I offered, I don't know if it was 19 or 20. Uh, we ended up settling for 22. Okay, cool. Very good. So that's just like what, 33X or something like that? Pretty close yeah. to that? Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Okay, so a little hiccup with the migration. Got a new hosting company um, back online. So you have a plan. What is your plan to uh, start earning more money, get more traffic? Well, so the first thing that I did, and there's a very clear, you can look at my analytics and there's a very clear, you can see where the traffic completely dropped for three days. And then I take ownership of the site and immediately there is a huge like jump up. It's crazy because it's almost overnight that the site started making more money because I just did basic improvements. So a lot of it was improving speed, um, you know, just doing technical things like the, the, quality of the images and you know the size of the files of the images and things like that and i think there's this one thing that people really don't overlook it's like if you t think about like advertising is advertising space right and kind of like i'm like okay how can i make my advertising space bigger so i literally like i just increased the font size in <laughs> in the in the post and like that made a huge jump right and i think people overlook th little things like that do you happen to know what the font size was before and then what you changed it to? I've, I want to say it was about 16 or so. And I think I have it up to maybe 20. Okay. Not, so just, I mean, uh, a little, just a little bit more and that's not too huge. It's yeah, no, it's not like, increase. it's not crazy, but it, you know, especially like you get websites like this, like travel, 
um, sites, like people tend to focus a lot on the design and what it looks and, you know, it has to look pretty and, you know, like you put the, that elegant font and it's like, no, this is all about people being able to read your content. So, you know, like, yes, the, I'm like I said, I'm a graphic designer and yes, smaller font looks prettier, but that's not what websites are going to like. People are looking on their phones. Like you want to increase the font size. So it's not the, it's not the looks that matter in this situation. Right. So you change the font size, you like increase the real estate where ads could be displayed. Anything else? I started doing some improvements, posts that were kind of ranking on page one and page two, you know, just kind of polished it up a little bit, um, maybe added content, looked at uh, keywords that they were already ranking for and started adding a little bit more to those keywords specifically. So kind of jumps, you know, like, cause that's the other thing. Yes. There's the main keyword that a lot of these posts are ranking for, but there's probably hundreds of others that people are still searching. So I sort of optimized for, you know, five or six other keywords that were almost there on page one or high on page one. And those posts started doing better in the rankings as well. So very small changes. Okay. And how many posts were on the site? There's about 200 and I have not added that many um, since I got the site a year ago. Okay. So, and so you really spent most of the time just improving and kind of optimizing what was already there, finding keywords that the site was getting impressions for, but maybe wasn't ranking or didn't even have any sections on it. Right. Yeah, pretty much. It was like, I would see something that was already ranking you know, the, the picked up the article um, and there was a couple of keywords that were like page two and it was somewhat related to the topic and maybe I mentioned it in one paragraph. So I would break it up and like just create a paragraph for that topic. Um, if it felt natural to the text, right? Like I'm not just adding random things to, to the content, but you know, I mean, it's a tra- travel site. So it's easy for you to like add a little bit more about right. that specific thing on the article. Were you using uh, Google Search Console or some other tool to find which post to target? Um, I use Google Search Console. I used um, Ahrefs, and then I think I, you know, I was messing around with Uber Suggest as well. I think it's a pretty cool uh, tool as well. But I think Ahrefs has been sort of the the goal to for that. Okay. Perfect. So d- did you add any new content in the last year or so? I probably added maybe 10 articles in total. Has not been that many. Um, but the ones that I did add, they all kind of like shot to page one or two of Google within like 24 hours. It's been, wow. it's, yeah, it's pretty great. I think maybe one that didn't make it, but okay. you know, kind of doing why do you think they went up so so quickly? And I'll before you answer, you know, I do live streams pretty often. And today there were, I think, four people asking about how to get um, posts indexed quickly. Like there's a big concern. There's a big issue with like indexing. And I, I really only hear it from people that, you know, one, they have a new site. So they, maybe they just don't know that it, takes a little while to get out of the sandbox 
And then another group, maybe they have an old, older site is out of the sandbox, but they have like zero links and they have maybe questionable quality. Everyone says the content quality is top notch on every site. Like this, <laughs> it's not true. Like sometimes your content isn't that great and people just can't look at it like objectively. So anyway, you publish content and it ranked pretty quickly, page one typically. So what's the secret there? So I think the it takes a long time for me to ra- actually write something. So I'll do a lot of the keyword research ahead of time. Um, I know what my site is in terms of DR. You know, so I have a, it's a DR29, uh, kind of like it goes between 28 and 31 or so. So I'll look for keywords that I know that I can rank. Um, and then from there, like you mentioned, content quality is key, right? So I, I go on Google, kind of start searching for topics. I'm like, okay, if somebody was looking for this, um, and in the case of the travel site, I'll say, okay, you know, like I want to write content on this place that I just traveled to. So I'll start kind of, I'll go on Google and figure out like, what would people be searching for? in this particular topic related to this keyword opportunity that I saw I could write and rank for. And I'll start outlining the type of article that I would like to read. Cause I think that that's where people make the mistake as well. They will kind of just go with what everybody else is doing instead of this is the content that I should be putting out. So I'll structure the article with the sections and the type of content that I think makes sense and then I'll start looking into, okay, how can I make this SEO friendly, right? How can I write an article that still very useful, still very high quality, but I'm hitting all of those points that I know I should hit. Um, and then I haven't really gotten like to the full quality of the content that I want to get to. Uh, Cause again, I'm doing this kind of on the side whenever I have time, late nights, weekends and things like that. So I haven't really been able to like go out, get really great photography. So, you know, it kills me that I'm still using stock images on a travel website when I know that I have really good content. I just need to, you know, sift through my pictures and, and use it. Um, But yeah, I think just figuring out like what people will be searching for and then doing the, the opposite the also asked for thing on, on Google is great uh-huh. uh, to see kind of like, you know, build up your, your outlines covering all those topics as well. Okay, cool. And, and the way you explain that is great because when I, there's a lot of discussion with, about the AI tools like Jasper and outranking and whatever the 10 others out, out there, whatever, 50 others out there. There's a, there's so mm-hmm. many. And, you know, people that use them, I'm testing them, you know, jury is still out, but people that use them just swear that it's fantastic and you could do research with them. But what you just described, where you think about what you would want to read as part of the community and a consumer of that content, like you, you can't regurgitate what everyone else is doing and get the same kind of outline and research and thought that you put into it, perhaps you can use one of the tools to like augment your research and get you started. And then maybe you fill it in. But at that point, it's like, 
just come up with your own ideas. Like if you could come up with a better, or if you could add to the outline, you could probably come up with a pretty good outline. So now that said, do you do external research and how do you run that? Um, or how, yeah, how do you do your research when you're trying to get ideas? Maybe you're stuck or something. Well, I started, so for the travel site specifically, I kind of just say, all right, here's a list of places that I've been and I can kind of write about or I'm comfortable writing or like I said, I'm still kind of not in the place where I'm very proud of the content that is on, on the site. It took me quite a while. I think that that's the downside of buying a site, especially if you want to keep it, uh, because I, I had trouble connecting to the content, right? Like it's a travel site is a very specific sort of personal experience that somebody else was writing, even though a lot of it is like list, you know, listicles and the best of and how to visit this place and things like that. But it's still somebody else's perspective on those things. Um, so because I haven't had the time to start putting my content and start to make the site mine, you know, I'm like, okay, let me go then just look for the commercial opportunities and see really where I can rank. So a lot of it was looking at the content that was already there. And can I write more content because the site is already ranking well for these specific topics? And then I can do the internal linking, kind of build, you know, a little bit more credibility for the pages that I'm adding. Um, or are things that I know that I can add more value? Um, so I did add, you know, I, I, I live in Miami, so I added a few a few pieces of content that are were related. And I just saw an opportunity. I'm like, you know, I can just write something on this and rank. And this is this is going to take me a lot less effort to write because I know this. Um, but I will look uh, for what are the top sort of articles that are ranking for those specific keywords and see if there's any ideas there too. Yeah. And the specifically on the travel site is just, you know, locations and you kind of go from there, throw everything on age rafts and find the opportunities. Cool. And yeah, I don't know about the AI tools. Maybe, maybe they're fine. And I just, I always look for a reason to complain about them. <laughs> Have you used any of the tools? I so I'm a big fan of uh, AppSumo.com, yeah. And I probably bought a couple of like the lifetime uh, AI sort of things, like you pay fifty, sixty bucks, whatever. Uh, so I've used a couple of them, but I I don't like them for content on the blogs. What I've used them is for something. I think for Pinterest, I did have to put some, you know, the articles that I added to the site. I created pins for them. And I'm like, you know, I'm not, this is not what I do. Like, I'm not a, a Pinterest person. I don't know how to do. So you like, you throw some keywords in there and spits out like social media, uh, friendly type of content. So I've Perfect. used it that way, but I still edit all of that content. I don't, I don't use exactly what it, what it's giving me, but okay. it has that kind of like fun social media, sort of Pinterest kind of language that you would want. That doesn't come really natural to me. Right. So. Perfect. Okay. That makes sense. And I, like I said, I'm testing the tools. I'm trying to figure out, you know, if I can use them or if it's useful for me and, you know, people are curious. It's, um, it's very interesting. People really want them to work well. So I, I think that's a perfect example of like using it for some stuff that you don't really want to do. The, the, I don't know, the, the pins, the text for the pins. I don't even know what you call the, the, the copy there, but Maybe that's yeah, all it is. The pen description, I think. Okay, 
Cool. So you described the keyword research and um, some of the the approach to the content. And just to confirm, it sounds like you don't use any other writers. You're just writing it yourself currently. I tried hiring writers um, and I probably have about 20 articles or so that are in draft at that particular website. And I just can't bring myself to post it because it's just not there, right? Like the quality. And it probably takes me longer to edit those articles than if I were to write them myself. So I prefer to take a little bit longer, kind of do my process, and then I'll write, you know, one article that I know I can rank for immediately, then try to tweak. I did post a couple of them. They didn't do that great. So it took a lot more effort on my part to make somebody else's work um, have the same type of result. Got it. And I didn't ask this before, but are you, are you a traveler? Like, are you part of this uh, community and, you know, you'll be able to keep the site for a really long time and that sort of thing? Yes. So, um, I, in 2015, I left my job and I took a, you know, one of those year sabbaticals. So I did travel a lot then, but I probably, I think I traveled to maybe 32 countries, but most of them have been in other times, right? So during the, that one year that I was traveling, I spent a lot of time in France, kind of did some traveling in Europe. So the majority of my traveling were not during that period. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I do enjoy traveling. I would like to go back to that. I think that that's a sort of the, you know, like we're all in this FI community, right? So I think part of my my goal would be to be able to create a business a type of lifestyle that I can work from anywhere, not necessarily travel as a tourist, but sort of stay in different places for a little bit, kind of experience mm-hmm. that local culture. That's, that's a goal that I have for sure. Yeah. We definitely enjoy slow travel better. I mean, we went, we went on vacation for like eight or nine days to San Diego and it was a blast, but you, you kind of get worn out and, you know, part of it is just, you know, physically you get tired because you're doing a lot of extra stuff because you have to do it in a compressed time. But I, I was listening to, I'm going to go deeper here for a second, but I was listening to another podcast about, uh, dopamine basically. It's on Huberman lab. Do you ever listen to that show? I have not. I'm going to look it up. So it, it gets pretty geeky. It's a college professor, a neuroscientist, and he, goes deep into these topics for like, you know, an hour to like three hours. So uh, the conclusion, uh, the theory that I have is you're doing all this cool novel stuff on a seven day vacation, but your, your dopamine gets like tapped out. So like you're doing a new experience, a fun thing, you know, day one, day two, you're doing three, four things in a day. And by the, by the end of the trip, like you're doing something that should be really fun, but you're all tapped out on dopamine. So it doesn't feel as exciting and fun and you're a little bit tired. So I was like, ah, slow travel. Like that's why we enjoy it so much. Cause you could take like two or three days and kind of sit around and not do so many things. So what's the ideal of time for you to go visit a place? Do you think for like a slow travel uh, idea? I think you got to be at least for two weeks in a place and kind of just start to get into that 
routine, right? I think the longer that you can stay, uh, the better. I remember when I, I spent that time in France, it probably took me about three months. I mean, I had just quit my job too. So it probably took me about three months just to get into that mode of, you know, I'm not working. I can wake up in the morning and kind of do whatever I want. Um, but it, it takes a while for you to get out of your normal routine in the first place. And then for you to start enjoying being somewhere else. So I think three weeks is good if that's really all you can do. But I would, you know, I don't know the more, I think my ideal way of traveling would be, I'm just going to go and stay there until I want to stay there and go on to the next place or go back home or however I decide gotcha. to do it. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think like a, a month at a minimum and then maybe up to three months. Cause I do like, I like the place that I live and my home and all the, the normal routine stuff. So, you know, I, I do like to come back here, but, and we haven't done slow travel in a while. I was just thinking too, I have a friend, she's in Korea right now. Yes. South Korea right now. And pretty sure. Yeah. Anyway, the point is she's loving it so much. She was going to leave after a month, but she was like, I'm actually going to stay for a whole other month and I'm going to miss out on some stuff that I needed to go to like a wedding or something like that. So, but she was like, I love it here. I'm just going to hang out for a little bit longer. So that makes sense to stay until, you know, it's time to go. Yeah. I mean, I did. So during my, my ear, uh, I did go to a wedding in Australia and it was kind of like, well, I kind of like it down here. Like I just want to hang out, but I had to, I had to go somewhere else. It was already planned for me to go and I ended up leaving, but I had that in my mind. I'm like, oh, I could have stayed and kind of just, you know, like see, see what would happen. Just, you know, visit places in Australia, New Zealand that are kind of hard to get to. Like you can't just go there, spend a couple of weeks, come back. Right. Um, But yeah. And then living in a place, I live in Miami. So a lot of people come here to travel and, you know, I, I can't even remember the last time I went to the beach, you know, it's like, you, you don't get to enjoy the place because you're you're working, staying in traffic, being in the office, and then the place that you live kind of just you know doesn't get a doesn't get as enjoyed as it, it could. Right. So let's shift back to the site. Um, we didn't talk about uh, links or link building. You did mention the site uh, had a DR of like twenty nine or so. So can you talk about like the link profile? Do you know if the original owner? Did any specific link building or did these links come naturally? I think there's, there's a few uh, links that were generated by the previous owner um, by just doing relationships. I think they were doing a lot of like outreach with other travel bloggers and things like that. So, so there's a little bit of, of those sort of websites that are in the 2030-ish DR uh, from those relationships and when I got the site, um, I think for the first couple of months, I think I was doing some Harrow outreach and I actually landed a few really good links uh, by, do- by doing that. But I haven't really done much of it. I think most of, most of the links are more natural. And like I said, I think, you know, getting involved in those type of blogging communities, if you have the time, I think that's when you start to really get kind of good, uh, good links from that. Right. And I think, um, you know, travel's a, 
a kind of a classic example, food blogs are too, where there's just like big Facebook groups or something where, you know, people help each other out. Maybe there's questions and, you know, it's, it's a community and they, they are, uh, able to network really easily or share links or something like that. So I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like you said, if you have the time and if you are part of the community, it's fairly straightforward to do it. Um, and actually just a side note, um, like we met at FinCon and I met a handful of people as well. There's no substitute for like going to a conference, meeting people in person. And then like later you can connect and, you know, it's, it's not like you go meet someone and say, Hey, can we share links on each other's sites? Um, it'll be like months later. And there's a couple people actually, I was like DMing them on Instagram today and they were, you know, months ago they were like, Hey, do you think you can link to my site? You know, this is after I've known them for about a year. And I was like, yeah, sure. So now I'm following up and I'll be able to, you know, add a couple links where it makes sense. And they, you know, they would help me out if I needed something or they would share something um, in an area where they have like a bigger following than I do. So yeah, it makes sense for like in-person events. And have you gone to other conferences by the way? No. So, so FinCon has been on my list for a long time because I've been following, you know, Fi doing all that stuff for a long time, but I've always wanted to go FinCon, but I kind of felt like, why am I going to go to a conference of bloggers and podcasters when I don't really have a, a, a platform, right? So I bought the site and I think probably two weeks later, I'm like, I'm buying the ticket for FinCon because <laughs> now I don't even know what I'm doing with the site, but I, you know, I wanted to go. Um, so no, I haven't gone to anything. I do want to go. Uh, eventually okay. I'm, I'm already planning FinCon next year, but for other conferences, I think, I think I still need to figure out a little bit better what I want to be doing and start building. Cause I do want to build a site that kind of has my own brand and my own voice. And sure. you know, then we'll have different things to talk about. <laughs> right. But right now I, I think I'm just building this kind of, this kind of platform just really focused on how can I generate additional income from these sites that I'm, that I'm kind of trying to build. Okay, cool. I want to, jump off and talk about Fi stuff. Um, do you, are you good on time right now, by the way? Can we go um, a little bit? Yeah, um, yeah okay. we can. Cool. So we'll, we'll put a, we'll come to the Fi stuff in a second, but you have um, a few other sites. So why do you keep buying sites? You just can't help yourself. Is that the. <laughs> so I bought, um, I started out so last year when I decided that you know this I keep coming back to this blogging thing so let me take this a little bit more seriously. I ended up um, so you asked earlier if I if I hire content so I ended up buying one kind of one of these done for you websites from uh, niche website builders mm-hmm. and kind of just looked at their packages. I'm like okay cool you know like three four thousand dollars so they built a site from scratch for me. Um, and so this is one of the pet ones, uh, and that site is starting to rank. I haven't done anything. So whatever the 30,000 words that it has on it is there. I haven't really done anything. The only thing I did is I started trying to do Pinterest for it stopped. So I think Pinterest is one of those things that you have to do it for consistently for quite some time before it, it picks up traction. So eventually I will figure out a way to 
maybe automate a process or hire somebody to do that for me. Uh, but I, so that was a site that I don't know if you consider that buying or not. Right. But I started from scratch. Then I bought a site that I saw was kind of an entry level website and it wasn't making a whole lot of money. I think it was making like 10 bucks and it's up to about 200 now. Uh, again, I haven't really done much other than technical things. That one, I, I changed the theme, made the design a lot better. Um, and then the other two I actually built. So it, okay. it, the, the food one, I bought an expired domain. So it has a DR36. I have not started putting content on it. I think there's two articles that I wrote. I have a whole content plan that I would like to do, but I just don't have time or resources and even managing if I'm going to outsource, because that's the kind of content that I could outsource. Um, but I just haven't gotten around to it. And then the other pet website, it was just, I stumbled upon this opportunity. I wrote a few articles for it and it's ranking. There's like five articles on it, but it has a couple of them that are, you know, like page three or Google on like a brand new website. Um, so I don't know that if I'm buying sites, I think I just, I like the stuff and I think I really enjoy the, the content, uh, the research, I think, is the part that I really enjoy, like seeing the opportunities and looking at that stuff. Um, but I think the biggest thing about buying the site is just the, how quickly, how much faster you can get to an income, right? Like taking something that is already working and you can tweak it and make it better. Um, it's a lot easier than starting from scratch with something that you don't really know whether it's going to work and you have to do all the link building, all of the all of that work, and it will take several years before you actually see uh, see results, or you have to be willing to put in a lot of money and hire writers and, you know, or invest a lot of your time doing that, which is something that I don't have right now. Got it. Okay. Very good. And yeah, shout out to Niche Website Builders. They've done a ton of content and link building for uh, one of my sites. And I, yeah, thinking back, I mean, they think they may have done maybe like 80% of the content. So, you know, at this point, some of it's been published for a little while. So I'm going back to improve it. And I think that's something people neglect a little bit, but essentially that's what you've been doing with the the big site, the travel site, you know, yeah. the content was um, aged a little bit and then you, you came in and improved it and optimized it for a lot of things. So, okay. Yeah. And I think, and I think I reached out to them. It was kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing or like, I've never built a website of this, uh, this kind. Uh, so I would like to learn. So I'm like, like, maybe I'll just buy, like, they'll do it for me, but I will see the backend. I'll see how they structure things. I'll see all of that. So it was more to me was really an experiment to, 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 to get that. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is not that hard. Like I, I can probably do it on my own. Right. But it's so, huge time savings. And, and your oh, yeah. point is well taken where, you know, you can get a site and, you know, your skill set, so you can go through and optimize in those areas. So perfect. Any, anything else with the websites or your portfolio that I didn't ask you that is important that you want to share? I think, well, there's the other website, the one that I mentioned, I just, I just acquired. Uh, so that one is also a travel site, but it's, it's a very different one than the one I have. So this is, this is actually a, a specific location in a different country and 
kind of like, you know, those city guide type of things. Uh, but it's a very popular destination, but it's, it, it has a lot of very niche opportunities in itself. So I, you know, it's a lot more, I mean, I, I was doing, I was doing some research on the content for that one. It's a little trickier to find opportunities, but what I like about that one is that I do need to be very creative in the way that the content you know, the, the things, the ideas that I'm going to put out, because you can pretty much, if you take a city, right, you can pretty much cover places to stay, where to eat, where to go, top attractions, all of that. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm out. Like, I don't have anything else to write, uh, which is not really the case. Like, there's always something else that you can write. You just have to keep digging deeper. And what I see with that one is the long, you know, the more specific that those, those type of articles will get, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there that are very easy to rank and there's still people searching for it. Uh, Perfect. So. Okay. That's exciting. And where did you find that one? That one was at um, uh, Investors Club. Okay. I, it sounds familiar. Um, oh, yeah. Investors I think, Club. I think I know that one. I think, I think they changed their name. I think they were called something else before. Okay. A lot of rebranding and like people selling like newsletter. Anyway, so Investors Club, cool. That's some other place that people can look. And awesome. Yeah. Anything else, sites or with your portfolio? No, I think okay. I think we covered it all. Perfect. Um, well, I was going to say, I could, honestly, I could think of like 20 other questions, but eventually we have to end this. Um, so we'll move on to the FI stuff. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that with FinCon. So I, I went for the first time in 2021 and it was in Austin, the, the first one after uh, the pandemic and everything. And, you know, it was a little smaller and I had heard of FinCon or the Financial Bloggers Conference for several years just from podcast. And I, I guess I knew that there were a lot of people that were just like consumers of the content from the people that were attending. And it was kind of like just everyone gets together and you get to meet people that create the content. And then everyone just kind of hangs out and it's a fun party, usually a cool city. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned like, you were like, ah, oh, why would I even go? And then the opportunity popped up. So how did you start following any of the financial independence community or financial personal finance kind of stuff? So this was, uh, I mentioned back in 2015 when I left my, my job, it was kind of just, you know, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I don't want, you know, just needed a change. And I left my job. And I think during that time, I started looking for opportunities. I'm like, okay, well, one is you, you start to question yourself and what are the things that I want for life? What, I, what is the life that I'm trying to create? And I think naturally I just started finding people that are having that, that kind of message. So I don't really know how I found out. Like, I don't, I don't think that there was like a moment that I found out about, about five because I think I've been doing that for a long time. Like I hear a lot of people is like, Oh, you know, I have debt, I have this and I, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was never the case for me. Like the fact that I was able to quit my job and spend a year traveling. Like, I think I have done, I had done all of the right things up to that point. Um, so I didn't really share in that kind of story, 
so I think I was already doing the Phi thing uh, my right. whole life. And it was, it was that, oh my God, there's like, there are people doing this. There's people like quitting their jobs and just like doing what they love for a living now because they don't really need the job. They, they, you get to have that choice. And I think that resonated with me back then. Um, so I started following several blogs and podcasts, I think, uh, at the time and kind of, you know, you start finding people that you, you, you kind of relate to. Um, so I think that that's how it all started for me finding that community, at least cool. it was back then. What are some of the blogs and podcasts? If you can remember, uh, I think a pretty loyal fan of the stacking Benjamins, I think is a very entertaining show and I listen to it quite frequently. Uh, uh, choose Fi also, um, I started listening to your podcast oh, after we met. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've, I've been listening to, to quite a lot of that. Um, and then I do listen to a lot of kind of the SEO type of blogs. So the authority hacker guys, I think that they have really good stuff that they put out. I'm in that community as well. Uh, so there's a lot of learning from that. Um, yeah. And then I just, you know, some news things and, but for, I think for podcasts, the ones that I follow on a, on a regular basis are those. And then I'm kind of finding, finding some new ones as I go along. Cool. And yeah, I was going to say, Joe, we, we have an episode with uh, Joe Saul C. High. He swung by Longmont. So there was uh, a little event that he did here. So it's cool. You were already like kind of doing the, the five stuff so that you were able to just like take a break. And it sounded like, you know, not to read too much into it, but you hit like an existential crisis, right? Like <laughs> midlife crisis. And you were like, what am I doing with my job and life or whatever? And you're like, I need to take a break. So you took like a year off. And well, I took, traveled. yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't travel. Like it wasn't like I was backpacking around the world or anything. Um, but it was, it was kind of like that. Like I reached a point, um, I switched jobs pretty much. It was still in the same company, but I had an opportunity to go work somewhere else. And, uh, the project that I was assigned to didn't really go forward. And I was like, I remember just being excited that I'm like, Oh great. I'm going to, you know, they're going to fire me. I'm going to get some type of a severance and then I get to fix figure out what I'm going to do for the next few months. Um, but then what happened, I got a, an offer from another division of the company. They're like, Hey, the project's not going to go forward. Like come work here. And it was just more of the same, right? Like it was one of those things, like I'm just doing the same thing over and over. And if I don't show up tomorrow, like, you know, the company's still going to run. Like I'm, I don't really make that much of a difference doing this. And I kind of just needed a break, like just hit that reset button and sort of like, you know, like, what is the, what's the next step? Um, so I, I think I was kind of like, I don't want to just be traveling for a long time. I kind of felt like almost guilty to be doing that. So I found a, a, a course that I could take and I went to France for six months, but the course was food and like branding for food and wine, essentially. So I don't really consider that education. It was really fun. I got to travel <laughs> around France and drink a lot of wine and, right. and learn about that stuff. And then I did travel for six months, but there were several trips. So I went to, 
um, you know, Vienna and then Portugal. And then I had a wedding in Australia. I had a wedding in the Dominican Republic. Um, I spent six months, oh, no, six months. I had I spent about uh, a month or a little bit over a month um, in a pig and coffee farm in Brazil. Uh, so I did, the, you know, I did different things like that, that you wouldn't necessarily not be able to do if you're working full time and, right. uh, started consulting. And then I did two years after that, I was consulting. So I kind of got to not have a normal corporate job for a couple of years. And then I got to offer a position by one of, one of my clients and that kind of went back into the, the normal corporate world then. But so valuable to number one, get a break, which is amazing. And you did a bunch of cool things. And then, I mean, you, I guess, realized and actually like demonstrated that you could work on your own, like without the structure of a job and all that kind of stuff, which if you come from a corporate background, like you don't realize it. Like, I mean, it's not necessarily easy, but like if you figure out how to be scrappy, it's really valuable because then if you get laid off again, you think, ah, well, I did it before or I got laid off. But if you get laid off or if you quit your job, you're like, I could figure something out. So yeah, very cool. Well, you said you're going to go to FinCon next year for sure. I, I would like to, yeah, that's the plan. New Orleans, right? Yeah. New Orleans. I was going to say, I haven't, um, I can't remember if I booked, booked it when it was cheap or, or not, but yeah, I'm planning on going and I think it'll be a little later in the year. So it won't be so hot. Um, which will be nice. <laughs> you, you, you were having trouble in Florida, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. It was so hot and humid. Luckily we were just like trapped inside the conference center the whole time. So it didn't, you yeah. didn't have to go outside, but they did have, um, there was the, the water park, the swim, uh, or yeah, the slides. Did you, did you go out to the, uh, no, park? I, I didn't, I didn't go to the water park at all, but then, then again, I'm in Florida. So I know better to oh, stay yeah. in the air conditioning, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Okay, cool. So I think that concludes all all the questions I have. Um, one of the questions we usually ask, which I think you kind of you mentioned it in a roundabout way, but I'll ask just in case: How has the success of your por- portfolio of websites impacted your life? Well, I think I see. So my quest, I think, during that time that I took off, I think the idea of having passive income, uh, really is something that I, I was striving to achieve. And for the first time, like seeing this website, like, you know, like I, I look at my bank account every month and there's 2000 extra dollars that I really didn't do a whole lot of work for. Now it does require work to maintain it, but I think just having this as a, as a backup, you know, is creating this freedom. So if I continue to build a website and, you know, I'll, I'll let you know next year when we meet a FinCon, but my goal, I mean, I brought it from five, 600 bucks to $2,000. I want to see if I could bring it to $10,000 in the next year, which, you know, I don't know how much, how much effort I can uh, actually, how much time I can put into it between now and then. But I think if I could do that, that gives you that, it's going to give me that flexibility that I'm looking for, right? That freedom to to just be able to do what you do and kind of just, this is, this is what you want to do with your days. Um, so I think that that 
was the thing that I was missing for so many years that I was looking for those opportunities and you know, playing around with Etsy and drop shipping and all sorts of, of different things, even consulting, right? It's still in a way trading your time for for money. And I think with, with blogging is something that I really enjoy doing. Uh, there's a great community around it. Um, and I'm, I'm really enjoying just having something now that I can talk to people like you and go to FinCon and exchange ideas with, with other people that are kind of doing the same thing. So I think I found, you know, I joked around that I went to FinCon. I'm like, oh my God, it was like all my people. Right? So it's like, you, you, you see that there are people doing that. So to me, that has been really, really great to find kind of the same, like this community. Awesome. Cool. Well, Denise, where can people follow along with you? And, um, you know, if you're under the radar, that's totally cool. But I always want to ask just in case. All right. So, I mean, now give like if people look up blogs for sale, they'll probably see my blog in there. But uh, so the website is wanderherway.com. Uh, that's the travel site that I'm, I'm working on and hopefully we'll make it a little bit more mine over the years. Uh, but you can probably follow my dog on Instagram. Uh, it's, uh, at high Finnegan. Um, he's got more of a social media presence than I am. He's a little bit more of a, a diva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I follow Finn. He's a really good dog. And yeah, I can't show Georgie any of the pictures cause I was like pet, petting him so much. Uh, she'd be very jealous. So all right, Denise, uh, great catching up and hopefully we'll check in with you in a few months and get a little update. So thanks a lot. No, thank you so much, Doug. It was great. Thanks again to Denise. It was fun to catch up and it just goes to show that conferences are a pretty fun thing to do. You often can meet people in person, really make good connections, uh, a lot more than you can online. You can build relationships online for sure. And I have some great friends that um, I spend a lot of time with and masterminds and so on. But it takes a lot more time than, you know, sitting face to face, sharing a meal, hanging out for a few hours, like in person, doing some activity like a hike. That said, uh, one one conference that I can quickly plug is uh, one called Economy, and it is out of uh, Cincinnati. I'll be going this coming March in 2023, and it's Economy spelled E C O Econ O M E. I'll I'll put a link in the description. I'm a bad speller out loud, and um. Well, it's kind of embarrassing, but if you stuck with me through the whole episode, I mean, we're kind of friends. But anyway, Economy is on the personal finance and financial independence side. And I went last year, had an absolute blast, made a lot of good friends. And that particular conference, it has, you know, a handful of uh, keynote talks and a couple breakout sessions. Typically the breakout sessions have, you know, 40 to 60 people in it, something like that. But it's really about community and connecting. So I really encourage people to check out the Economy Conference. I've interviewed the founder, a lady named Diana Merriam. So like I said, I'll put a link out there for 
economy, but I'm going in my my other podcast co-host, Carl Jensen from 1500 Days. He'll be going as well. And there's a lot of other familiar faces. Like if you showed up there, you would, you know, and you're in the personal finance area, you listen to some of the shows, you'll recognize a ton of people. And it's really cool. So I, I highly recommend it. And there's no, there's no better way to make a connection than in person. So with that said, Thanks a lot. We'll catch you on the next episode.